Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Naz. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. Well, if you've been with us this summer, you know that we're going through the book of Psalms. Our, our lead pastor, Tim and Melody, are off on sabbatical, and so our uh, staff has been filling in through the summer, and so I get today and next week. Next week's title? Well, just come next week. <laughs> today we're looking at Psalm 62, but before we get there, I, I, I need to make a personal confession. They say confession is good for the soul. I struggle with waiting. I'm just putting it out there. I struggle with waiting. I remember as a kid, I struggled with waiting for desserts. I wanted the cookies. I wanted them now. And mom would slap my hand and say, no, that's for later. That's why I have these bruises still today. And, but I remember waiting for the, the, the roster to be posted for who made the, the, the baseball team, who made the basketball team you know, so on and so forth. I mean, there was just, growing up, there was always this issue of having to wait. You know, I remember going fishing, and, and there'd be a little tap on the line, and I'd want to jerk it, and my dad would say, wait on it, wait on it, because you have to let the fish get the hook before you can do anything with it. But, but my whole life, it's this waiting. You know, I ran track, and I couldn't wait for my heat to get called because I was so jazzed up to run, and it's like, call Let's, let, let me run now. I'm ready. Or my opportunity to get up to the plate to hit constantly. Will we get the loan for the house? Am, am I going to get this job? Am I going to get accepted to college? I mean, there's all these different waiting, 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 waiting. How many of you love to wait? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, see, we've got it couple people love to wait. Well, how many of you have done Strengths Finder? Anybody done Strengths Finder online assessment? Well, I did it. And when, if you pay enough, you get all the results of your top 30. There's 34 talents and they give you your whole list. Well, what's interesting, when I did Strengths Finder, all talents fall into four categories and five of my top 10 all fit in the category of activation. God made me to not wait well. I'm an activator. Let's get it going. Come on. And yet, I've been known to get ahead of God. I remember when Debbie and I, uh, were in, we, were in, we got engaged. I said, um, Debbie, there's no, no one better than me for you. And um, she agreed, and we got engaged. And, you know, Pastor Jerry mentioned this, this, these three letters a couple weeks ago. Dis. Dis changes everything. And so we got engaged, and then we got disengaged. That dis, it changed everything. We went from engaged to disengaged because I told her, the Lord has spoken to me, and I know, I know the plans that he has for us, and we're to get married this summer. And she said, he hasn't told me that. And I said, well, just listen. I didn't really say that. I said, I, I, I understand. I'm a better Christian than you are, is what I said. No, I didn't say that either. I just said, don't you have the God app on your phone? I didn't say that either because it was before those things even existed. But we disengaged because in her mind, something would have to happen that had never happened before at the university that we were at. 
And you know, when something's never happened before, you tend to not believe that it will. But with time and meeting with the president of the university, he gave us approval to do something that had never happened before. It didn't surprise me because I really knew that God had spoken and said, this is what I want. You see, when we're living in the Spirit of God and when we choose to wait upon the Lord, he, he guides us, he speaks into us, he provides for us, he equips us, he empowers us. There's so many benefits of walking in the Spirit. Some people call it being baptized in the Spirit. You know, Nazarenes have been known to call it sanctification. There's all these different terms that you can give it, but there's something that happens when we walk with the Lord. Well, we went from engaged to disengaged to re-engaged. We just tried to make as many words as we could in our dating life. So we got re-engaged, and then life went on. But I'll tell you what, we will be married 38 years here soon. And no need for applause. Next week, I'll mention again, we'll be closer. Um, But it's coming up. And some of you are going, he says it's coming up because he doesn't know when it really is. It's in 18 days. I mean, approximately. No, it's really in 18 days. But this idea of waiting can be so hard. And I think waiting is hard when you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, look at this line. Would you, would you wait in this line? If you walked up and here's this line, would you jump in line there? I believe every day we evaluate, will we wait, not wait? Am I going to wait on this? Am I not going to wait on this? And usually it's based on if we believe it's going to benefit us. In other words, if we have this hopeful expectation that it's going to work, we probably would wait in that line. But if we doubted that it's going to work out, if we questioned if we were going to get what we need or want, if the person on the other end really cares enough to provide, we probably would But you know what? If it was Boise Hawks night and all the eat popcorn, all the eat hot dogs, and all the eat ice cream sandwiches, I would wait in that line, wouldn't you? And we have like 100 people that have bought tickets for Hawks night because you know what's on the other end. It's food. How many of you are going even though you don't like baseball? Okay, a couple, a few. So the rest of you all love baseball. Well, I expect to hear you cheering on the team then. Well, here's another picture. And this picture is depicting what waiting can do. Waiting can create anxiety. Waiting can be boring. Waiting can be irritating. We decide all day long, am I going to wait, not wait? How many of you have seen people blow through a yellow light? How many of you have seen people blow through a red light? I have seen both. How many of you have been that person? Go ahead, raise your hands. High. No, higher. 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 Okay, let's pause and pray. There will be an altar time if you need to come up later and <laughs> repent. But, but am I going to wait? Am I not going to wait? You know, when I was in, in college and even younger playing baseball, one of the things that we learned was if you're facing a 93-mile-an-hour fastball and the guy then throws a changeup or a curveball, what do you have to do? You have to wait on it. You've got to keep your weight back because if you're lunging forward, you're, you're not going to get a good hit. How many of you have ever run track or long distance where they fire a gun off? In track, if you go before they fire the gun, what happens? Disqualified. Olympians practice and rehearsed for four years to then prematurely go, and they're disqualified. That's a sad moment. I don't know if you've ever seen that. 
Unbelievable. You know, in football, if you move forward before it's hiked, what happens? Offsides or illegal motion or procedure or those kinds of things. So this issue of needing to wait is huge. I mean, if you're teaching your son how to hunt and, and a deer starts to step out, but all you can see is a little bit of the side, what are you going to say to your son? Wait on it, wait on it, wait on it. There is this need to wait. I don't know about you. My, I, I grew up in a grocery store, and once in a while I would see people go over in the vegetable section or in the fruit, and they would pick up a bunch of grapes and start eating them before they paid for them. What's that called? Wrong. Stealing, right? And I've seen people do that in stores, and I'm there, and I'm just going, oh, that, that, that bothers me, former grocery store owner mentality. You shouldn't be doing that. Because there's this idea of waiting before acting. Waiting before acting. Not false starting, not jumping the gun, not going before we should. Becoming impatient. Um, knowing that some of the kids are with us today, there's a group of friends um, that I want you to meet today, Alex and Melvin and Gloria. They're, they're involved in a situation where there's a little bit of a struggle of waiting, and I felt like this video might help you understand what the subject of today is. Okay, in exactly two minutes and 17 seconds, the lemurs will cut the power. No? No. Okay? No. 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 I drop down, grab the penguins. You crank me up, and we are out of here. Oh, 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 let, let me drop down. I'll grab the penguins. You don't have fingers, Marty. No? No. Do it? No. These are things a leader has to think of. Why should you be a leader? Why, why not me? Because I'm the phase tracker. Who voted you grand phase master anyway? Me. I voted me, because I'm the leader. Nah. That's it. No. The king of Versailles. Maybe I should be in charge. No, man. I am a doctor. No. No. Why can't we all be leaving? Enough. I'm going to leave. <laughs> well, what happens when we're tired of waiting and we jump ahead? we sometimes can create a crisis. Waiting is so crucial in life. And you know, these guys all wanted to be in charge, so much so that they didn't want to wait on anyone else. They wanted to be in, in control. Have, have any of you ever thought about being controlling? Or have you ever known someone that wanted to be in control? They felt like they deserved to be the leader. Well, what's interesting is, as we look at this idea of waiting today, my mind goes to acronyms a lot. Why am I talking when I need to wait and hear them out more? Debbie and I were talking about the message, and she said, waiting could represent we are invited to trust. I like that. I found this one online. Wait means watch. Watch God work in his ways. Ask God about his purposes. God, what, what, what are you wanting to do in this? Invite God to work in you, into your heart, and then trust God to fill his plans. And the bottom there says, waiting on God doesn't mean we are doing nothing. It's about allowing God to do his thing. You see, what God wants to do is better than what we can create or what we can do in ourselves. In the midst of all the resources that we have, 
it's important for us to rely on him and nothing else. You see, waiting requires trusting. As we look at Psalm 62 today, it's important for us to know the background of of the situation. And in 2 Samuel 15, we read the story that King David has a son named Absalom, and Absalom is sitting out at the city gates, and people are coming to see the king to present their needs to him. That's what they used to do back then. He was almost like a magistrate. He was almost like a counselor. And so these people were coming to see the king, and Absalom said, oh, you know, the king's really busy. Let me take care of this for you. What was he seeking to do? Get their heart and get their loyalty and eventually turn it and try to take over the throne of David. And so David is now reading or or writing this psalm. He's experiencing this because his son is out to take his life, to take his throne. So let's stand as we read these six verses. Psalm 62, 1 to 2, and then 5 to 8. Verse 1, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Does that sound like repetition to you? Yeah. Verse 7, on God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. You may be seated. What I love about this scripture is here is King David. He's ascending the hill of Mount Olivet. And as he's ascending it, he has his head covered. He has his shoes off. And the scripture says that he is weeping. But everyone who is with him has done the same. Sackcloth, barefooted, coming weeping before the Lord, showing the desperation of the situation. And David is modeling for the people, this is what you do with your problems. You go to God. Rather than getting stirred up, rather than letting it overcome us, we're going to take it to the Father. And what are we going to do? Point number one today is we're going to wait patiently. We're going to come before him. In verse one, it says, for God alone, my soul waits. The NIV says, my soul rests. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what is David saying here? David is saying, I'm not going anywhere else but to God. Now, this is King David. He has all the resources he would need to mount up his army and go and grab his son and spank him or whatever they did back then to provide some guidance and discipline. But earlier in Psalms 20, verse 7, David said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the Lord. What is he saying? Some trust in their money, some trust in their own power, some trust in their own military, but for us, we're going to trust in the Lord. He is the one that we go to. And so to wait upon the Lord means to put a pause to, to delay. You know, here's a big decision I have, but before I make the decision, I'm going to go to prayer and make sure that what I'm thinking is God's direction and his leading. And it carries this expectation that as I'm waiting on the Lord, and I'm not waiting on him to show up, I'm waiting for him to act. Okay? God isn't in Cuba right now, and we need to wait on him. Could we just pause the service till God gets here? He's already here. He was here before we were here. 
Now, does he come with us because he's in us? Absolutely. But this waiting on the Lord is this confident, my hope is in hope. That's what, what he says. He says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. My hope isn't in my resources. My hope isn't in my ability. My hope isn't in my contacts. You know, I've, I've networked really well here. No, my hope is in the Lord. And as Pastor Jerry shared Psalm 23 recently, in that text, in verse 2, it says that he makes me to lie down beside the quiet waters. In other words, God brings me to a point of rest. For us, spiritual rest is a gift given at salvation. When I receive Christ, my spirit is at rest because I don't have to perform or make something happen. I don't have to make God love me. I don't have to impress him. Salvation is from him. And so rest is a byproduct. It's a gift of salvation. Now, the catch to it is we as Christians have to then maintain that rest and keep that rest. And so when our son is trying to kill us, we just say, Lord, what is it you're wanting to do in this situation? Am I needing to react? Am I needing to do something? Or are you going to just work it out in your supernatural way? Just as you worked out my wife being able to finish college and transfer first person ever in the history of the what do you old. God, are you going to do something supernatural? What's your involvement? What are you wanting to do? But this waiting displaces worry and anxiety because I have this confidence in him. You know, waiting also shows a sign of respect. As I wait upon the Lord, it's a sign of respecting him and wanting his will in my life. I recently did a funeral, and, and we left here in a procession, and there was a couple motorcycle officers to help us get through intersections. You know what I'm saying? Well, what was interesting is, as we were driving down the road, and it was a two-lane road, some of the cars would pull over, and some would not. Why would you pull over for a procession? Why would you choose to wait for a procession? It's a sign of what? Respect. Honor and respect. Well, what was interesting is the, the, the uh, I don't know if he's an officer or, anyways, the guy that hired, the, the motorcycle cop kind of guy. It was interesting because he would pull up beside me at times because I was towards the lead. And once in a while, a car wasn't pulling over. It was just past us going the other way. And the, and the guy would swerve his motorcycle at him and tell him to get over. Like, rather aggressively. I mean, seriously, I'm going, I'm glad he doesn't have a gun. I think he might pop somebody. I mean, and so we were going down, and, and cars were pulling over, and they were waiting. They were respecting, but one wouldn't, and he would swerve at them and point at them. It was, I wanted to videotape it, but I was driving. But this waiting is this sign of respect, and it's this sign of, I want to live in your guidance, and I want to live in your peace. And see, David had learned waiting upon the Lord patiently is so important. Remember, he was anointed king when there was a king. And so there's this period of, how soon am I going to be king? I mean, I'm anointed king, but I'm not king. And the king who was in rule at that time, King Saul, ended up being jealous of David and wanting to kill David. Something about David and people wanting to kill him. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I, David, what's the deal? You just, you need to have more of a personality. You need to become likable or something. But what David had an opportunity to do, and his soldiers told him, the king Saul had come into a cave that David was actually hiding in to relieve himself, according to this text. 
And rather than killing him, he just cut an edge of his garment off to someday show, if need be, king, I have been loyal to you, and in the midst of being able to kill you, I have never done it. I have waited to become king when it was God's time for me. And so in the beginning, David knew, I've got to wait because it's God's gift to me that I become king. It's not up to me. It's not mine. It's God's kingship that he's placing me in. And so on the other end, if God chooses to take me out of being king, that's his choice. That's his freedom because it's not my kingship. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't qualified for it. So on both ends, we see David saying, God, I wait patiently before you. And you have a handout today that talks about if I struggle with waiting for God to lead me, I might do these things. And the purpose of that handout isn't to make you feel guilty or ashamed or anything else, but is to give you benchmarks to say, hey, here's an area that I just need to give to the Lord. I, I need to work on this issue. And so I invite you to look at that at some point. But waiting on the Lord requires two things. One, it requires a complete dependence upon God. And the other one is a complete willingness to allow him to determine the timing and the direction of things. So to wait upon God, I need to be dependent and I need to be willing to follow his leadership. Otherwise, why would I even wait on him? I probably won't. And in David's waiting upon the Lord, he realized two things. He was reminded of two things. One is, God is my provider. Verse 1, from him comes my salvation. He is my rock. He is my fortress. God is my provider. And I have a firm belief that what you create, you must manage. But what God creates, you get to enjoy. So if I get ahead of God and I choose to try to create something, I've then got to manage it to keep it going. But if God creates it, I just live in it. And David said, you made me king. I'm just living in it. I didn't create it. I didn't take Saul out. So I don't have to fight my son and try and keep it. I just get to live in it. Does your life look more like this or like this? Oh, I've got to manage it. I've got to keep it going. Or, man, I, this, wow, peace, joy. God, I love this. I, I I love that I didn't have to do anything for my salvation. I thank you that it's a gift. I thank you that my job as an associate pastor here is a gift. I don't have to manage this. I'm here for however long you want me here. God, thank you for for what you've given me. But it also says that God is his protector. Verse 2, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. In other words, life circumstances aren't going to rock my world. I've been called to rejoice. Now, when things rock my world and, and my kid is diagnosed with cancer or this or that, I, I, right here, Lord, I'm not telling you what you need to do, but I sure would love for you to heal him. I've got a threat of losing my job, God. Uh, here you go. Man, I, I really need, need to make my mortgage payment and, you know, uh, food on the table. And, but God... How do you want to show up in this? How, how, do you, how do you want to be my provider? And how do you want to be my protector? I remember when my dad was running for re-election his third time as a county commissioner. The election secretary um, put out some false information regarding my dad, which is illegal. 
And I said to my dad, Dad, what are you going to do? Because, you know, I mean, men tend to like fights, you know, and, and, and I am all about justice. I'm a justice, it's weaved into my body, and I want justice, and let's get this cleared up. And, and my dad said to me, I'm going to wait on the Lord. Well, <laughs> you don't have to wait on him. Nail her to the wall. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Now, in waiting on the Lord, my dad still put up re-election signs. He still went out and spoke. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean you're just passive, but you're giving God space to move and lead. And so he's out there and he's doing what he needs to do to go for re-election, but he's saying, God, you put me in this place. I keep it in your hands because otherwise I'm going to fight the battle to keep it. Remember what you create, you have to maintain? And my dad chose to believe. I didn't create being a county commissioner. God opened the door, and I was just obedient. And so it's not mine to maintain. And so my dad gave it over to the Lord. And in the end, he didn't get reelected. And he said, you know what? I said, Dad, do you, th- do you think what she said influenced things? And, you know, he goes, you know what? I, I, it's the Lord's. And it was within a few months that my dad was diagnosed with cancer and then passed away. And in that process, he said to me, I don't know that I could have been a county commissioner and given it what I needed to, now knowing what happened. You see, in the midst of it, he felt like God led the whole thing. And in that, we wait patiently, but we walk prayerfully. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence for my hope from his in from him. And in the New Testament, we would read the text, pray continuously. Waiting on the Lord means proximity. Pastor Carly talked about that last week. Proximity, being in the presence of God, being close to him like a good waitress is, a good waiter is. You see, a good waiter, a good waitress knows when to come to your table. Can't stand bad waitresses. I just can't. Sir, is there anything you could, do you need more water? Well, you just filled it up 10 seconds ago. Um, um, could, 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 uh, I'm sorry, we're trying to have a conversation here. I mean, how many of you go out to eat to eat? Nobody, right? We go out to socialize. Okay, we go out to eat. But, but my point being is that as we walk prayerfully, we're, we're looking for what God is saying and what he is doing. And what's interesting in verse 10, he says this. He gives a warning. There's warnings in Scripture. And the warning is this. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes in robbery. If riches increase, if you make a profit, if you get a bonus, set not your heart on them. What is he saying? Wait only on me. Put your confidence only in me. Let me be your guide. Let me be your provider. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in who I am Use your gifts and live through me. But the punchline is this. People who don't know the Lord don't wait on the Lord. Why would they? But there are Christians who do not wait on the Lord well either because like our video clip, they still have a need to control. In other words, there's a trust factor. I don't know that I can trust God to take care of me. I don't know that God cares for me. Or you know what? God, I gave you 10 seconds and you didn't respond. God, will you give me patience and give it to me right now? Oh, well, I gave him an opportunity. 
waiting on the Lord that he will renew our strength, waiting on the Lord that he will speak guidance. Again, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever made up your mind about a decision before you went to prayer, but you prayed anyway? Well, I already knew I was going to marry her. Why pray? You know, I already knew I should take that job. I mean, I asked the Lord, but I already, I already knew. And many of you would say, I got a testimony about that one where I got ahead of the Lord. I mean, I prayed, but I didn't really wait on him. You see, here's a quote from Charles Kinsley. He says, Pray over every truth, for though the renewed heart is not desperately wicked, it is quite deceitful enough to become so if God be forgotten in a moment. I don't like that quote because of one reason, but I love the quote for another. I believe that when we invite Christ into our lives, he purifies our hearts. But I also believe that if we entertain lies from the enemy, we might give in and go that direction. And so there's this element of if we allow ourselves, we can be deceived. And if we allow ourselves to be deceived, we probably will begin to lose the fruit of the Spirit. We'll begin to lose patience. We'll begin to lose hope. We'll begin to lose joy. We'll begin to lose peace. We'll begin to lose all these things because we've entertained a thought that is misguided. It's not in accordance with God's Word. And so why do we walk prayerfully? Because I want to continue to be centered in on God's will for my life. I want to continually be centered in on what he has to say about my life, who he says I am, what he wants for me. And David himself at one point said, oh my soul, why are you so downcast? You see, if we wait upon the Lord, we will walk and not grow weary. We will run and, or I, miss, I messed that up, but we'll run and not grow weary. We will walk and we will not faint. We will soar and mount up on the eagles, the wings of eagles. What is he saying there is our lives should not be affected by our circumstances. My joy level should not be affected by my circumstances. Just because my son, King David speaking, just because my son wants to kill me, I am not going to be robbed that God is my protector. I'm not going to be robbed of my joy. I'm not going to be robbed of my peace. I'm going to continue to live in who I am and whose I am. Debbie and I went on a date night. Have you ever heard of that? We went on a date night, and, and it was one of those deals where we had a short window, so we went into fast food restaurant. And you know the thing about fast food restaurants? They're fast food. Okay, so we get in there, and we place our, our order, and, the, and while we're ordering, the gal says, um, we can't do French fries or anything like that because our fryer's down. It's like, okay, well, we just need a burger, so Okay. So we place our order, and, and we have this timeline, and it's 15 minutes, and we're in a fast food joint, and we haven't gotten our food yet. And I'm going, hmm, 15 minutes. And, um, and the reason I knew that, because I looked at my clock when we ordered, because I was thinking about how much time are we going to have to eat, and you should, when you chew, 
22 times is what my mom taught me. So even if you have to eat fast, you still got to chew it 22 times before you swallow. So I'm calculating how many times I'm going to have to chew and how long it's going to take and so on and so forth. And um, I'm figuring out, okay, yeah, we should have 30 seconds to get to the meeting and all that kind of stuff. And so anyways, it hits 20 minutes and I'm going, hmm. So I'd gone up to the, the screen to look and see if our order had been placed and whatnot. And at the 15 minute mark, it had just made it on the screen. And I thought, okay, it only takes 15 minutes to even get your order on the screen. This is fast food. <laughs> it really wasn't. So at 20 minutes, I went back up, and I'm, I'm in line, and the, and the gal that, that took my order will not look me in the eyes. And I'm going, that's interesting. <laughs> well, at minute 20, at 25, I said to Debbie, Debbie, can you ask the manager, because I was on the phone with our daughter in Ohio, can, can you ask the manager what's going on? And the manager said, oh, I thought, didn't somebody come and tell you that our grill's down as well? And we can't make your sandwiches? Well, so we go to the, the activity we're going to, now hungry for a three-hour activity. Remember, this is a date night. <laughs> the activity's over. We get in the car, and we start to drive home. And I look at the temperature gauge. I don't even know why. I look at the temperature gauge, and the temperature gauge's on hot. I'm going, something's going on with the vehicle. And not more than, you know, and we're only two miles from home. I'm going, it's hot, but, you know, hopefully. And all of a sudden, our radiator exploded. Antifreeze all over the front windshield. And I'm thinking to myself, best date night ever. <laughs> now we get to get out of the vehicle and walk home. It's only maybe two, two miles. I mean, what's more romantic than walking down Eagle Road with your wife? going, Debbie, this is awesome. No food, I'm starving. Car blew up. <laughs> but in the midst of that, what I was doing was I was walking prayerfully. Rather than being under the circumstances of a hungry belly, a blown up vehicle, and radiator, and whatnot, you know, the battery light came on too, and I'm going, I don't know what just happened to the whole thing. But I'm going, I want to be in the moment with my wife. And so, Lord, I commit to you that our car needs to be worked on now. And I commit to you my hungry belly, because I could be irritated right now. Have any of you ever been irritated? Point at the person that you've been irritated with. Go, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm going, you know, and now mosquitoes are starting to hover around us as we're walking down Eagle Road. And I'm going, Lord, who could I call? Called my son-in-law. Oh, I can't come get you. So he's off the trust fund. And um, <laughs> then, you know, we get about halfway and one of the guys in our church um, said, hey, I'll come pick you up. But walking prayerfully, God, how do, you, how do you want to show up in this? How do you want to lead in this? But the third thing is worship passionately. I love what he says here is in this living above your circumstances, waiting upon the Lord. Verse 6, he says, I shall not be moved. I love the fact that he's saying is, I am going to live in such a way that people don't know I'm going through a hard time. You like to be around those people, right? And the reality of it is, we get to be one of those kind of people. In the midst of the disease, in the midst of the whatever it is, Yet I have this peace. Yet I have this hope. I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know if the relationship is going to be restored or not, or, or there's going to be healing or not. But in the midst of it all, there is just this hopeful 
expectation. Looking forward. So in verse 8, he says this. He says this to the people. They're walking up the hill. They're in tears. They're in sackcloth. And he says, I will trust in him at all times, he says. I will pour out our hearts. Let's pour out our hearts before him because why? God is our refuge. I stand in him. I stand upon him. He is the truth. He is my leader. He is my director. But we have to decide what we're going to think about. Are we going to think about the circumstances and I can't believe that my son is doing this and oh, I could lose my throne and da 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 da? Or are we going to say, God, I'm waiting on you. You're the captain of this ship. You are my leader. You are my coach. You are my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm choosing to depend totally upon you, not my riches, not my wisdom, not my degrees, not my friends. I'm going to totally depend on you, and I'm going to be totally willing to follow whatever you lead. I I want to be filled with your spirit. Remember when David said, cast me not from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. The Holy Spirit living in us is everything. I need his spirit in my life. And there's times that I have to be refilled, but there's times that I just need Christ to pour himself over me as the shepherd would pour the oil over his sheep. Our hope is not in our self-discipline. Our hope is not in our faith, but our hope is in him. I I got nothing. I mean, I've got, you know, some degrees, but they don't mean anything. I've got these spiritual gifts. I don't, I don't rely on them either. I rely on the Holy Spirit that empowers me for those gifts. So part of being baptized in the Spirit, as we mentioned earlier, is just the ability to hear the Lord and be used of him. I awake with expectation. What are you going to show to me from your word today? Thank you that you want to speak to me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you want to use me. I walk prayerfully into stores. God, who do you want me to bump into here? I walk prayerfully everywhere I go. Spirit, I'm yours. Troubles, I believe, are an invitation to a deeper walk with God. Troubles are an invitation to a deeper walk. And today's challenge for us is, am I learning to wait upon the Lord? And the other side of your handout today is things to do while you're waiting on the Lord, remembering that we're not waiting for him to show up. He's already here. We're just waiting for him to act. You know, this, this is a, a sermon that I could have had a car steering wheel and say, sung to you as a closing Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) I give up control, Jesus. Here, take the wheel. Never be in the driver's seat, though, and give the wheel to somebody else. Just a caution. Jesus, I want you driving. I've driven myself long enough. I've made a mess of things in my life. Now, have I ever made good decisions? Absolutely. But, Lord, I want to live a life that's waiting upon you. So today, as we close, there's three things that you may respond to. Number one, a respond of salvation. That as David said, the Lord is my salvation. 
and you have never invited Christ into your life. He's, he's been knocking on your door, but you've just never opened that door because you wanted to be in total control. You wanted to do your own thing. You questioned if he loved you or whatever. Today may be a day of salvation for you. Second thing is this. You've maybe received Christ in your life, and maybe at one time he was driving, but at some point, somehow, intentional or not, you took over the wheel. And today's a day for you to say, Jesus, I want you back. God, I, I want you back at, at the wheel. I, I need to get over here. And the third thing is this. As we wait patiently on the Lord, sometimes we need encouragement. For some of us, two weeks ago, we prayed and anointed people for healing of different types, healing from anxiety. And as you wait on the Lord, anxiety can't stay, it can't remain because God gives us this renewal, this confidence. And so, but sometimes it wants to sneak back in. And some were prayed for for healing, physical healing. Sometimes it takes a second time. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Sometimes it may take a third time. We have somebody in our church that it, it was maybe even seven times or more that they got prayed over, even 50 times. But today, you've maybe started to doubt in the last week. Does God really heal? Is God really good? I would invite you to get anointed again and just say, God, here I am. I'm, I'm waiting again for the healing that you have for me. And so our prayer team is here. They have the orange lanyards on and some of them have a heart for healing. And that's kind of what God has called them to. And they're going to be over here. And, and you know, but you may say, I, I just, my prayer today is for salvation. Or I just need to give up control and say, God, baptize me in your spirit. May I be so identified with you that we're inseparable. When people see me, they see you. because you don't want me to live under my circumstances. You want me to soar.